Very happy to see you tonight in the Lord's house. We're going to begin, please, with hymn number 17. Hymn number 17, Praise the Savior, ye who know Him, who can tell how much we owe Him. Gladly let us render to Him all we are and have. Let's stand, please, to worship the Lord. You may be seated, and let's continue in our praise to the Lord. We'll sing number 177, 177, before the throne of God above. Just remain seated while we sing.
Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, tonight we come into Thy most holy presence again with joy and thanksgiving in our hearts. We rejoice, Father, for the grace that finds us here in the place and the house of prayer. Thankful that we can open the Scripture and the Word of God, the revelation that has been given by the Spirit to us. Our hearts have been opened. Our minds have been enlightened. And today we know that it is well, it is well with our hearts. We're thankful, Father, for these hymns of praise we've been able to sing tonight. And that very moment now we have come before the throne of God above. We have been able to approach with joy and gladness and boldness, Father, for we know that we cannot be kept away. For the blood of Christ has been shed for us, and we come on that blood-sprinkled pathway. And therefore, Lord, tonight, as we come with that assurance and certainty of the authority of heaven, hear our prayers in Jesus' name and for His sake. And Father, as we approach in His merit, and we approach, Father, on the ground of His gracious heavenly work, I pray that we will know answers to our prayer. We will know the defeat of the devil in our lives. We will know victory over temptation. We will have help, Lord, to testify and to witness of Your grace. We are asking to be soul winners for Jesus. To that end, lead us to people that we may be able to witness to. We ask, Lord, to go in front of us, to lead us every step of our way. We're asking for a mighty reviving of spirit and heart. We're praying that this congregation would be mightily used in Your hand, each one of us. Let no one be on the outskirts of blessing. Household salvation, Father, we have often prayed for. We ask again, do not let any under the canopy of our roof, under the influence that we are able to exert upon them, let none of them end up in a lost eternity. Dear Father, use us, we pray, for the extension of Thy kingdom and the glory of Christ's name. That's why we're here, Lord. We're not here to have a social club. We're not here to go through the motions of church. We're here, Lord, because we are serious about Your matters. We're here because we believe in the cause of Christ. We are here because we know the importance of heaven and hell And, O God, I pray that the solemnity, the serious nature of what we are about would be upon every single heart. 
Dear God, let us realize that we are not here for a long time. Our days are numbered. Therefore, O God, may we apply our hearts unto wisdom, that You would teach us and instruct us every day, that as we take a day's step nearer to eternity, Lord, You would show us the urgency of the time, the lateness of the hour, the fact that we must be about our Master's business. Bless the Word of God to every one of our hearts tonight. Give help in the ministry of the truth. Bless as we read now the Scriptures. We pray for our sick ones in the congregation. Lord, we hold them up earnestly tonight in prayer. We think of our brother Ron and pray that you would encourage his heart and be near to him. Remember Serene, touch her body, restore her eyesight. Pray for Steve Kelly, that you would help him in his physical needs. We pray for our brother Bodner tonight, that you would help and assist him as he has come through his treatment now, and that he will have a measure of health restored, a good recovery that you would bless him in his own heart. Many, many others, Lord, those who have been recently bereaved of loved ones, O God, help them, I pray. So bless us now. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Number 16, please, we will praise the Lord again. To God be the glory, great things He hath done. And I think that Mr. Nebuchadnezzar would rightly sing this hymn as he came to a light, to an understanding, to a knowledge of the truth. Let's stand again as we praise God.
Amen. That was good singing tonight, and good praise unto the Lord. I think it's good to see our sister Beverly here tonight, and I think that was Mrs. Campbell's, one of her favorite hymns, To God Be the Glory. And I can remember her singing it out with all her heart, and she was with us here. But she is singing a far better and greater tone and tune and song tonight in glory. And as sad as it is to say farewell to loved ones when they are in Christ, we know they are in glory, they're with their Lord, and that makes things much, much better. And it gives us the opportunity of, though being sad here, yet to be able to rejoice that we will see them again And we would really not wish them to be back with us. Maybe selfishly sometime we would, but nonetheless, they're in the presence of their Lord forever and forever. Please turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 19 down to 27 here in the congregation, and then we'll pick up our reading at verse 28 before we come to the Word. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, sorry, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O King, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas The king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas 
They commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots. Thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee after that thou hast known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. The Lord will bless his word to us today as we have read once more and continue in our study in the life and the book of Daniel. Welcome you all tonight to our evening service in person and online. We're very happy that you're with us and we trust that God's hand would be upon you all and to encourage you in the Lord. It's very good to see our sister Rowena with us today in the service. She was here this morning and I omitted to welcome her, but we've been praying much for our sister because of the very serious car accident that she had just over a week ago and she's been recovering thankful, no broken bones, but a lot of pulled muscles, and they are very, very painful. And also our sister Candace was in the car with her as well, and uh, we want to pray uh, for the Lord's hand. We're thankful for their safety in all of the situations that we meet, and uh, we want to let them know we hold them up in prayer. It's good to see our brother Clifton as well in the service tonight, remembering our brother in prayer in the needs, the health needs that he has as well. Please remember tomorrow evening, well, before I get to that one thing, just want to say a word of thanks and encourage you all to pray regarding the Canada Day barbecue that we had. Thanks to everyone who was helping and everyone who was able to attend and for your outreach. I know that many of you have brought visitors, neighbors, and friends And that was a very important part of the evening. And we had good conversation with many people. And it was a real encouragement and a blessing. So let's pray on now that that testimony and the verbal word that was given to the folks who attended, well, the Lord would bring in a harvest for that. And it will be a blessing to everyone. Tomorrow night is the recommencement of our sports time of fellowship in our school gymnasium running from 6 to 9. If you'd like to come along, you'd be welcome to attend. Wednesday evening, Bible study and prayer at 7.30, and our brother James Fraser will be bringing the Word. And then we're happy this morning to welcome uh, Frank and Clarissa DiDerno to our service, and our brother will has begun now, as of the 1st of July, the internship that will run for just about one year. And I was so happy to see many of the folks rallying around them and making them feel welcome. We want you to do that as they get to be a part of our church. Our brother will be ministering the word next Lord's Day at both services and will greatly appreciate your prayers. Let's hold him up to the Lord that God would bless him, bless their time with us, and also give them direction and leading for the future as to what God would have them to do. In just another couple of weeks, he will be heading out to Cloverdale, and will be there for uh, almost three weeks to minister the Word in person to the folks. You might remember also in Cloverdale, our brother Jonathan Eccles, whom I have not met yet. He is going into his third year of studies in Northern Ireland in the college seminary there. And uh, he reached out 
in response to invitation to come and help in Cloverdale. And so he is going to be out west for about five Lord's Days. And then he'll be traveling to all our other churches across Canada visiting for a service or two. And we're looking forward to having him here in Toronto. Although, as it turns out, the very Lord's Day he will be here, I will not be here. And so uh, he'll be preaching the Word and you will get to uh, meet him. And I do pray for Brother Jonathan Eccles. Yes, I mentioned about next Lord's Day, and our brother Diderno will be in the service. Well, as I mentioned this morning, we had a very special presentation to Mrs. McClelland, as this marks the, uh, well, her official retirement from the playing of the organ in the music ministry. But it will not mean the last time she will be playing. Uh, we will maybe call on her for some special occasions and we know that she's always welcome to do that. Back when we found out about her retirement a few months ago, the session met and prayed about her replacement, and it was unanimous that we would ask Mrs. Hannah Kim to take over that very, very important ministry, and so she has agreed to do that, and uh, would much appreciate your prayers on her behalf that the Lord would give her strength and uh, wisdom and help in doing that. And so, sister, we are praying for you. The Lord would bless you, and we know that God will strengthen you for that very, very important work. And our brother Alan Rogerson uh, requested that he would be able to play and accompany Mrs. McClelland on uh, this last evening. So it's hymn number 640, Abide With Me. We'd like you to turn up there. They're going to play through two verses, and then we'll ask the congregation to uh, stand and sing uh, two of those verses, number 640.
Let's stand as we sing verses 1 and 4. seated. Turn please again to Daniel chapter 4. We pick up our reading now at verse 28. All this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till the hairs 
were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Lend our reading there. I encourage you please to bow with me for prayer. Dear Lord, as we come now to this time of our service, the Word of God is open, and I pray that all our hearts would be open. Give me help, Father, to speak Thy Word faithfully and plainly, not with human wisdom or power, with the power of heaven. Glorify Thy Son tonight, Father. And I pray that we will be instructed, we will be taught, that, Lord, You would reveal any hidden place within our hearts anything that we are holding back, anything that we are refusing to surrender, O Father, work by the power of Your Spirit in us. Hear us now and bless us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Verse number 34, there is one line there that I want to leave with you tonight, where Nebuchadnezzar testified and said, I blessed the Most High. I blessed the Most High. This is the second message I want to bring to you of Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And the title for it would simply be Steps to redemption. Several years had passed from the dramatic and, we could say, miraculous deliverance that God had given to the three Hebrew young men from the fiery furnace. This king was there, and he had witnessed all that happened. And he declared that nothing should be spoken against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego upon the threat of their houses being made a dunghill and them be cutting and cut in pieces. The Lord wondrously and miraculously saved them. And so Nebuchadnezzar declared that this God, the God of these three, well, he was the God of gods. He was the high king of heaven. But time and years had passed until this same man was standing in his palace, rejoicing in all that he had, and then another dream came upon him. And 
We are told now by this very man through his testimony in chapter 4 what came upon him. Isn't it fascinating how frequently men will forget about God? They'll forget the kindnesses. They'll forget the deliverances. They will forget when they were in harm's way and they stopped to pray and in some way they were delivered from that harm's way. And once they got back on their feet again and the sun was shining, where was the Lord in all their life? Not there. Gone. Because all that they had experienced of blessings and mercies and graces, well, it had quickly fizzled out and was smothered by the need to fulfill their own life their own direction, their own happy things, their own blessings. This was exactly the case for Nebuchadnezzar. But the Lord of heaven and earth does not work to a man's timetable. And as often the case is, He gives men time and space to repent and often repeatedly shows His grace and His mercy in bringing hard things into their lives with the purpose of humbling their minds, and so they will turn to God from their sin. They will turn to the Lord, the high God of heaven, and they will receive the blessings of salvation turning from their sins. And so, chapter 4 being a testimony of just that, it is King Nebuchadnezzar's witness, his personal account of how he came to the understanding of the God of heaven and how that this God is sovereign. He is the sovereign ruler of all, and that there is no other God beside Him whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It is a fascinating account of a dramatic turnaround experienced by the most powerful monarch at that time and how he was removed from his throne of absolute power to a very humble place, the place of an animal, and then back to his throne again. And the last phrase that we thought about last Lord's Day evening was that those that walk in pride, God is able to abase. And the king was speaking about himself. He came to realize that what that was for him in personal experience. And so we thought about how God's warning came to him through that unknown dream, and there was the deception of great prosperity, and then the sudden upset of a vain peace that came over him, but how the anxiety that passed over all of those who were around him, the magicians especially, until Daniel was called. And the interpretation was given. The content of the dream was made known to him. 
and how that the large tree that was filling the whole earth was indeed that king, and how all nations were abiding under the prosperity of the branches of that kingdom of Babylon. And yet the messenger from heaven came, cut that tree down, cut the branches off, gather all the leaves together, scatter the fruit, but the stump would remain, and it would be preserved from splitting by a band of iron and brass, again symbolic, that there would be growth from that stump again. The faithful interpretation that Daniel brought to the king recorded in verses 19 to 26, and then the solemn warning. And we finish with this last Lord's Day because the solemn warning was for the king to repent. In verse 27, Daniel used the opportunity, Now, O king, humble yourself. Receive this message from heaven. Receive the warning to turn from your evil ways. A bold message it was from this faithful prophet of God. And that's where the account ends of Daniel's part in that and of the faithful word of God's preacher. And isn't it often the case that when the preacher's voice is silent and when things have come to a close, nothing more can be said. The word has been given, the gospel has been given, and now it is God's business to do the follow-up. How many times have people been in a gospel meeting and they have heard the Word and they have walked out seemingly unmoved by that? And yet sometime later, the Spirit of God will take just that Word, the circumstances that are flowing from it, and He will use that for His own honor and glory. And so tonight, as we think about this path to redemption that Nebuchadnezzar had, and how God used some very extreme measures, again, to deal with this man in order, I believe, to save his soul. The first thing that comes to us from verses 28 to 30 is the fact that Nebuchadnezzar was swelled with pride. He was swelled with pride. This king had a first-hand experience of the power of God at the fiery furnace. Few people have ever witnessed anything like that. And perhaps a little bit like King Agrippa, if you remember in the book of Acts, when Paul was preaching to him, and the conviction of the Spirit of God was upon Agrippa. And Agrippa said to Paul, almost, Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I wonder if that thought had gone through Nebuchadnezzar's mind. I wonder if I should turn personally, completely, fully to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wonder if I should turn to the God of Daniel with all my heart. But no, he did not. He put the matter out of his mind. 
Friend, I don't know where you stand tonight if you're not a believer. Are you listening online this night? And the Word of God has come to you with power, with conviction, and yet your mind and your heart still remain hard. And though God has given you many, many opportunities, still you have not humbled yourself. You have not really come face to face with the reality of Jesus Christ and where you stand with Him. Friend, if you walk out of a service, if you turn off your computer tonight, and you have still determined that you're good enough in yourself, you don't need anything more, you want to go about your life and just do your own stuff, that's exactly where Nebuchadnezzar was. He had all he needed. What else could God give to him? He had the riches of the world. He had the fame. He had every single thing that a man could desire. And maybe you have enough. And you're saying, tonight, do I really need any more? Well, twelve months passed by from the last word that Daniel had to this king. Twelve months passed, and a lot of time had gone under the bridge. A lot of time from the furnace experience, and the king had forgotten all about the God of Daniel and his friends. And what had happened to him now is that he had become more intoxicated with his own importance. He had been indulging in the greatness of Babylon, and he was filled up to the full with his own pride. Just like a balloon. A balloon that's being pumped full of air. It's being pumped up and pumped up, and we know that that thin membrane that holds the air in eventually cannot stand the pressure, and it will burst. It will explode. Verse 30 shows that Nebuchadnezzar was having a talk with himself. Usually people who talk to themselves, well, they have a little problem. Although I think that generally most of us talk to ourselves at some time or another when you're driving in the car and no one can tell whether you're speaking on your uh, uh, phone or whether you're talking to yourself or maybe you are praying. Look in verse 30. Nebuchadnezzar the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. When it says there he built for the house of his kingdom, it's very possibly a reference to his God, 
the god Bel, the god that he built the image of gold to some years before, and as he is reminiscing and thinking again about all of his prosperity, the might of his power, and the honor of his majesty. What does all this mean? Well, it means, friend, to us that unrestrained indulgence leads to unbridled pride. We know the Bible says that pride cometh before destruction, and we know that many, many a great man has fallen from the perch of pride when they have taken credit and boasted in all that they have done to the exclusion of recognizing that all that they have and all that they have been enabled to do has been by the allowance of the God of heaven in whose hand is the very breath that they have. But these lessons are not easily learned, and it seems that no amount of history classes seems to change the outcome. It didn't for Nebuchadnezzar anyway. Each man thinks of himself, though, as being different from the guy who went before. He's smarter. He's wiser. He's not going to make the same mistakes. And yet, what happens? They end up falling into the very same trap, the very same hole. Unbeliever, beware that the time that you have upon the earth is not being frittered away, is not being wasted foolishly. Beware, because God has given to all men time and space to repent. And therefore, I say again, do not ignore, do not put off, and do not take for granted what the Lord has given to you while you have time, while there are days in front of you, repent. I say again, repent from sinful selfishness and seek the Lord with all your heart while He may be found. Nebuchadnezzar was swelled with pride. We learn something else from this account, that he was in the second place, he was soaking wet with shame. In verse 33, we are told that the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Here is a man who is overcome, and the word that God had sent through a faithful prophet, that word had now come to pass. Oh, but don't forget, it was the angel of the Lord, the Spirit of God, that had first revealed to this man in that dream that he did not know the interpretation, and once it had been given to him, the word had come so clearly. And he still ignored it. He still put it out of his head. But now the thing has 
come to pass, and it happened in a moment. Look at verse 31. Here is a very specific word with a specific judgment. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. To thee it is spoken, a personal word from heaven. You know, my dear friends, in reality, every gospel message that is spoken to the ungodly is a personal word from heaven. It's a word from God. This word was spoken directly to him. To thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed. So there was a personal word and there was a practical word to this man. Because God gives that time and that space to repent. And when men ignore the message of repentance, eventually the line is crossed and the next word from the Lord will be, prepare to meet thy God. That's the word in Amos. Prepare to meet thy God. And though sometimes it is used by evangelists as a word to get ready, get saved, repent of your sins, and turn to the Lord, that's not what that word means. That word, prepare to meet thy God, is a final word. It means that all else that can be spoken has been spoken, and now you're going to stand before your Maker. And you will be standing in your sin. And you will be standing in judgment. The great Babylon that he had built could not help him now. No sooner had the angel spoken and that we are told that within the hour, within the hour, his closest aides is the import of the text, drove him from the palace to the field where he would live as an animal, eating grass without shelter or provisions or any of the dainties that he had been spoiled with for his entire life. This is a really phenomenal thing. It seemed that Nebuchadnezzar had lost his marbles. And though it was very much different from David, you'll remember when he fled to Achish, and David feigned himself. He pretended to be mad. He scrambled at the gate. He allowed his saliva to run down his beard. And Achish said, what have I got to do with madmen? Send this guy away from me. David was pretending. But not so with Nebuchadnezzar. This had come upon him. He was afflicted with some kind of madness, which commentators have suggested was something called lycanthropy. It's a mental state in which a human takes on the habits of an animal. 
The word lycanthropy, it means literally to change a man into a wolf. So I don't know if Nebuchadnezzar was barking or howling like a wolf, but I have been in some so-called Christian services where people were doing just that. They were howling like dogs, barking like wolves, and this was supposed to be the demonstration of the Spirit of God within a believer. How foolish people can be at times. How deceived. Now, folklore has grown out of this rare condition called lycanthropy, and the idea of being a werewolf. This syndrome has provided stories and movies where humans become half man and half animal. And this may even be more frequent in the day in which we're living because how many people are self-determining themselves to be something different from what they really are? Some men are self-determining as women. And some people as being animals. Today it's a butterfly. Tomorrow it's a dog. And every other kind of madness that comes upon the humankind. Whatever it was that happened to Nebuchadnezzar, it was clearly a judgment from the hand of God. And whether or not God used this specific mental illness or it was just a direct act of God, the fact that it happened and was part of a divine purpose in the life of this tyrant. Now, we are told in verse 33 that he was wet with the dew of heaven. That's rather a strange term from this standpoint that the other references in the Bible to the dew of heaven, it always speaks about blessing. When the dew of heaven comes upon the nation of Israel, it was the blessing of the Lord upon them. But in this case, very clearly in the context, being wet with the dew of heaven, it is part of that judgment that came upon this man, and it only helps to fill in the picture more clearly that he was living out in the wild. He was living completely like an animal. He was sleeping out in the wilderness. We are told that his hair began to grow like eagles. The word feathers is in italics in our translation because it's not in the original, and they have correctly filled in that. Obviously, uh, when the description is given that his hair was growing and growing and growing, well, it became like a wild animal, like a bird. And his fingernails, his toenails began to grow out of control. You know, we learned from this, my dear friends, 
that the strongest of men are at their best state very, very weak. Think about it. All that men think about in their security and where they find their places of security will ultimately be turn out to be very thin ice, too thin for them as a matter of fact, or it will be a bridge over a waterway that is too weak to hold them up, and it will collapse. Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of a man who was soaking wet. He was all wet, as sometimes the saying would go, with his own pride. And God, His judgment was upon this man. We understand something further about this testimony of His step to redemption. In the third place, we have Nebuchadnezzar's sight of heaven. In verse 34, it says, And at the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven. Oh, what a great verse of Scripture this is. At the end of days, at the end of the seven periods, seven years quite possibly, he looked up to heaven. And that's when everything changed in this man's life. His whole perspective was different now because he was looking heavenward. And my dear friends, our perspective will be put into clarity when we lift our eyes toward God. Because this statement about looking heavenward is very clearly a picture of reason and sense and the Spirit of God came upon him and now he's looking up to God for answers. And the answer came to him from heaven, from God. And it was that look heavenward that initiated the return of his understanding. You see, friend, when a person is in the darkness of their own sin, nothing is clear. Well, for that matter, everything is dark. Everything is closed in. And what they think to be light and what they think to be truth and understanding is not truth and not light. It is all darkness. It is all madness. It is all foolishness. It is all that would happen when a man who thinks he is a man now becomes an animal and indeed man left to his own depraved state is behaving worse than an animal in his sinfulness. His appearance is wrong. His heart is wrong. His mind is wrong. Everything is backwards until he comes to look heavenward. It's only by the grace of God that spiritual sight will come 
And when it does, then true understanding will also come. Spiritual light to the heart, it brings sense. It brings order to a confused mind. The New Testament speaks of a man coming out of darkness and into the light. And when a man is face to face with the reality of his own heart and sin, and God has made Himself known to him, everything now is coming with crystal clarity. And he sees he's a sinner. And you remember, friend, the day when you were brought to Christ? Do you remember the day when you were taken out of your foolishness and your sin and you were placed upon the rock of your salvation and the light of heaven shone into your heart and your soul? What a day of rejoicing that was for you. What a day of rejoicing it was for me. And the clarity that came to this man's heart was the clarity of this that all of his pride was absolutely foolish and all that he had attributed to himself and his power and his building was empty and worthless in the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, tonight, let us be sure Let us be very clear of the jewel of great price, the jewel of humility in the face of the foolishness and the emptiness of pride. When Jesus comes into my heart, my heart will be lightened. It will be illuminated and the knowledge of the Most High will fill the mind. Things will be seen then correctly. Sin will be seen for what it is, a great offense before God. And the truth will be seen for what it is and who it is. For Jesus said, I and the truth. Fourth thought tonight, and I'm I'm very brief with this, it's Nebuchadnezzar's statement of faith. It is most profound, verses 34 and 35. At the end of the days... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven 
and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? My, can you hear the Apostle Paul in this, in Romans chapter 9? Can you hear the words of the exaltation of this servant of God saying about the sovereign God that who is a man to raise a voice to the great potter who creates one man this way and one another? Who are we to bring a charge against the God of heaven? This statement of faith is one of the most profound that you will find in all of Scripture. The outcome of the praising and the blessing of the Most High. Yeah, let us read. Read again this. And let us pray this unto our God in our worship. One final thought is that Nebuchadnezzar was salvaged to honor. Verse 36, at that time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me. And I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. God restored him back to his kingdom. Did he deserve it? He didn't deserve anything but a lost eternity. He deserved the same thing that you and I should have received, hell. But no, God restored him for a purpose, that he would be like a jewel, like someone who was salvaged from the very depth, brought back to life again. And can you not hear the words of the hymn, Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring? Did not the author draw those words from this very portion of Scripture? To his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And this, my friend, is ours if we are born again of the Spirit of God. For we have been restored to clear thinking. We've been restored and brought to the knowledge of who God is, of who Jesus is, and by the Spirit of God, that we will be a testimony and a witness in our life for Him. We'll bow, please, in prayer.
Dear Father, I pray that the Word would rest in all our hearts, that we will lift our voices in song and thanksgiving and praise, and we'll be able to sing joyfully what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my soul. Dear Father, work tonight, I pray, in some heart. Cause every believer to be reinforced in our faith, to be strengthened with might in the inner man, to go forward boldly, conquering and to conquer, that we will understand what it means to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayers, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing number 348, standing as we worship the Lord, since Jesus came into my heart. warm in here tonight. Well, if you think that you are hot, you should stand up here as the sweat is dripping down my back after ministering the Word of God. Nonetheless, we'll not let that hinder us at all. We take a deep breath 
and we'll sing this final verse, and let's really lift our voices to the Lord. And as you know, there is a praise God in that chorus that is not written in there, but you can fit it in, I'm sure. And as we hold out that very last note, as the organ and the piano will hold that out, we will sing to the Lord's praise. Verse number 5. Heavenly Father, we pray that we will go in the strength of the Spirit. We will go in the joy that is ours, having been changed so wondrously, so miraculously by the Holy Spirit from the day we were converted until the day, Father, we will be taken home. Make us more like our Savior. May we be conformed to Him because we know, Lord, that when we get to glory and when we see Him, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. What a great change will take place on that day. Until then, Father, keep us, we pray, in the center of Your will. Keep us active in the service of Christ, Fill us daily with the Spirit of God. Empower us for the service of the kingdom. And Lord, make use of us, we pray. Now, part us in your fear with your rich and mighty blessing. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.